Welcome to selfdiscoverywisdom.com, formerly known as Self Discovery Media. On these podcasts, you're going to hear people who speak from the heart. They've taken the journey in life. Many things have happened to them, but they've changed it to happening for them. And in their strength, their courage, they've discovered their abilities and their wisdom, and they are now sharing it here with you. Do enjoy each show. We bring it to you with love and knowing that it's going to help you on your journey of life. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Ignite Your Heart and Soul, or Choose Positive Living. We're so undecided which genre this should go under. But it is about igniting our soul for us to face the 10% that's holding us back from the 90% of life living. My name is Sarah Troy, and my wonderful guest is Darcy Lang. She is a professional speaker, and she goes around speaking all about that 90%, how we can feed it, what we need to do in order to embrace our 90% philosophy. She she has four books, uh, Focus on the 90%, Living in the 90%, Lead the 90%, Embrace the 90%. And it really is what we feed is what's going to grow, folks. And so what are we feeding? And is that 10% constantly coming in and knocking at our door and trying to pull us away from that 90% living? She says that uh, uh, 90% philosophy series starts here, focusing on the 90%, which represents a concept that one simple tool can change the way you view your life. Life. Darcy believes that each of us holds a magnifying glass and we get to choose what we do with it. We can focus in on the negative 10% in our lives, those things and people that bother us and drag us down, or we can choose to focus on the 90% in our lives that is positive and empowers us to feel and to be our very best. What we focus on determines how we live our lives. So Darcy is going to challenge you when you focus on your magnifying glass, what reflecting on yourself, looking after the person in the mirror. Uh, there are people around you lead, leading, working, supporting others and your personal life being a positive influence at home and an example of well-being, wellness for others to follow. And focusing on that 90% philosophy helps individuals reframe the way they look at life and think about their work, interactions, relationships and others. And you know, there's something that she talks about because I did have the honor of actually seeing her do a guest speaking and, and it was like, oh, I've got to interview her went straight to her afterwards and said we've got to do this and she talks about you know going into the box and slowly unpacking that 10 percent. and I love that because if we look at the whole 10 percent, it's too intimidating isn't it it's something that's too overwhelming and it's like oh, no no I can't go there but if we kind of unpack you know what comes to the box top of the box first then deal with that slowly and methodically we can work our way through it can't we welcome to the show Darcy Thank you, Sarah. Grateful we met at that live event, and here we are. Thank that. What a great rapid-fire introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've read your book, and there's a lot of things that you said in the talk. I mean, you've you've had what I call the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and cosmic two by four. You know, you've had your journey along the way. Um, you've certainly been through the things that have terrified you or left literally scars. Um, but however fearful you were, um, you knew you had to deal with the fear. You knew you had to face it. Even in your opening chapter in an Embrace the, the 90%, you're in an airport where they shout, gunman, everybody run. Right? <laughs> so you never know what's going to happen, that anticipation. And of course, every movie you've ever seen, the gunman is going to be on you any second, right? Because that's the way you're at. But you, you've, you've lived and faced that fear a great deal in life. Uh, and yes, it, sometimes it's kind of crippled you a little bit, but 
how did it come about registering that that's 10% of your life and that we must not let it consume us? I, well, I think for me, it was knowing that it was holding me back from what you would call your soul's purpose, right? Mm -hmm. I knew I was destined for greater than the life that I had. And for me, waking up day after day in the same environment, feeling the same way, life turning out the same, that was my catalyst for, no, this isn't the life that I want. Mm. And at 24, I'm 54 now, and at 24, I had what I called my quarter life crisis, mm -hmm. and I could feel myself shutting down mentally, physically, spiritually. That was my catalyst mm. for I need change. Yeah. So it was a bit of a rock bottom mm. that was my decision then. Okay, no, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I want better. What do I need to do? For this to be better not who can i blame yeah who yes. am I victim to yeah. and wh who else can make me happy for the first time in my life it was oh wait you mean i need to do this mm -hmm. so where do i start which is what you said what rises to the top of the box where do i start so that was for me the catalyst of i don't want to feel like this anymore Mm. I think that's what I call the cosmic two by four, you know, if something comes along and you are rock bottom and, you know, it's, you haven't failed in anything. You just haven't addressed the things that are pushing back on you. And when you realize like uh, you can't help somebody until they register, they need the help and they ask for it. And that goes for the same of helping ourselves, isn't it? And sometimes reaching that rock bottom, it's like, okay, all right. I get the message. I've really got to deal with this. But when you do open that box, I mean, you you can't deal with, well, no, I'm going to start at the very beginning, is that whatever that first thing is that shows in the box is where you start, really, isn't it? Oh, it is. May I say, Sara, how this is 30 years later, how I'm still mm -hmm. working through things in the box, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I yes. thought, okay, so I'm young and 24. I am just going to work through all my problems. And then one day I will wake up and I will be problem free. <laughs> so I have come to learn as your listeners and viewers are learning. That's not the case. Life will deal the seasons of life as, as you age, your different roles in parenting, you as a grandmother, life changes. And then my opportunity for growth. And yet another thing rises to the top of the box. And so what I've like what I've done all these years is I like to create a yearly theme. I think it takes a year to heal. Mm. I do. I think it takes a year. And look at how spectacularly quickly I not I try not to live in linear time as well, mm -hmm. but how quickly a calendar year can go. Yes. So how how I pick the thing that is at the top of the box is I may I explain how I do that? So please, how it please, would, yes. Okay. Okay, so what I find this, no matter what I've done, 30 years of healing, like you, every imaginable modality, you know, the medical community, the, the spiritual community I have on my desk, like you, Himalayan lamps, Tibetan bowls, crosses, rosaries, Buddha statues, I've got sage candles, <laughs> all of it, Cross, you know, you name yeah, it. Yeah. So I have spent 30 years healing the woman in the mirror, and every year I create a theme for what is what you suggested at the beginning of this call, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that rises to the top. Mm -hmm. And the way that I figure that out and create a theme with it is I, this is what I, every day I have these 10% thoughts. Mm -hmm. And as we said offline, why do they win? Mm -hmm. 
So I have learned to train my sweet little brain because my no matter what healing modalities I've done, I've done a lot. I'm still very involved in healing. There's still a little 10% scared part of my brain, right? Yeah. I call her sometimes the meanest mean girl you've ever met in your life. <laughs> and sometimes she's a scared little girl, but there's a 10% part of my brain, which I also optimistically thought someday I'll get rid of that. <laughs> but I've learned to love her. Yeah. I've learned to love her. I love her so much. And that, so I've learned to love that 10% part of my brain. But all day she will hijack me. She will try to hijack me with thoughts of worthiness, of being scared, of standing in front of 500 people. Do you really think you can do that? So this brain, so what I've learned to do is train her and train that part of my brain. And I created this um, magnifying glass shapes shepherd stick, which because magnifying glasses are my thing. And I shepherd the thoughts over. So all day they come in. Oh, what if you, what if your tech doesn't work on this podcast? It's okay. <laughs> we got this and it allows me to be fully present for what I'm doing rather than the, the mm -hmm. brain. Talk. It, it moves the ego over. It moves all the 10% in our personality. But the important thing for me, sorry, is I need to give those thoughts airtime because mm -hmm. if I shepherd them over yeah. and I don't give them airtime in morning reflection, I eat lunch alone at the table with a beautiful placemat and fresh flowers and a beautiful plate. And I give myself air time. And then after dinner, every evening, even if it's five minutes, I give my sweet little brain air time, a little soulful reflection time that allows the thoughts to come up and me to navigate them in the daylight. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't, I don't know about you, but then when I lay down at night, my brain goes, oh, great. You're quiet. Finally. Yeah. So let's <laughs> yes. jump everything you haven't worried about all day yeah because yep. you and I are like that let's <clears throat> dump everything you haven't worried about all day or into your thoughts as you lay in bed at night well and sleep is restorative sanctuary for me mm -hmm. so I've learned no I need my sleep so I've learned that if I give myself some air time again air times maybe not the right word but some soulful reflection time so those thoughts can come out because I've shepherded them over to the fear field and if I leave them there they'll turn into wolves so I bring the sheep back in. Tell me what you're scared of. Tell me what you're feeling unworthy about. What's coming up for me? Spend some time. But then Saturday morning, I can't wait. Tomorrow's my favorite morning. Tomorrow morning, I wake up every Saturday of my life before everyone else. I live with my adult son and my husband. My daughter's moved out. And I wake up before everybody else, make the most perfect tea and the most perfect artisan pottery mug that I see you have a pottery mug there. Yes. And I light the fire and the candles and the rescue pets and we sit soulfully and I spend time with what came up in the week. Mm. Now that is journaled. And at the end of the year, I pick that journal up and there's always a theme. Mm. And the theme of the thoughts, the thing that was renting the most space in my head, the biggest 10%, the things that were making me feel fearful, worried, whatever, I then create a theme for the following year to help heal that. And I spend the entire calendar year listening to podcasts, TED Talks, YouTube videos, reading books. I buy myself a new ring every year. This year, my theme is grow. So my ring is green. I will have grow t-shirts, grow mugs, grow. Everything will be about growing. And that has helped me so much navigate the 10% mm -hmm. because then I get to spend an entire year. What do I need? Do I need something, you know, Western medicine, Eastern medicine? Do I need something that will help me heal this and help me grow? And that's changed my life, mm. changed my life. So maybe I don't give the young women hope, young people hope that after 30 years, you're still working on things, but I think we will forever. And, and it's different though. Like, you know, 30 years ago, it, it, 
it consumed you, it came with the claws, right? It was the wolf and now it is the sheep. And when it comes up, it goes, okay, why are you here? It's acknowledgement. And when you acknowledge it and you kind of really look at it and go, why are you here? Okay, I'm not paying attention to that. Or maybe it's simply saying you need rest or, you know, your instincts about that person is right. Why are you not trusting them? And there's always something in that 10% that's actually here to kind of refocus us or have us pay attention to something. And it's not always out to get us, although how uncomfortable it is. It's, I feel that sometimes it's a reminder also of how far you've come. And then sometimes oh. it, it's just that kind of, I'm here, well, I'm, very, very sorry. We, we actually have dealt with each other. I'm not here to serve you anymore. Wish you well, goodbye. But we've got to acknowledge it. Otherwise, it will become bigger and bigger and bigger. And it will swap places with the 90%. What a great way to, great way to set that up. Exactly. And you can ignore it. Mm -hmm. And I've done that. Mm -hmm. You know, you can ignore it with booze. You can ignore it with... Technology, I think, is a great distraction. <laughs> yes. You can ignore it. You know, you can shop it, gamble it. Yeah. You can do lots of things to ignore it. But you and I know mm -hmm. then now we've caused more problems for ourselves. Yes. yes. So how about we feel worthy, which is the whole base, of feeling worth it? So yeah. I want better, back to what we said at the beginning. I want it better for me. So what am I willing to do to do better? And facing those thoughts, because as Maya Angelou would say, Thoughts are a thing. Yes. They're a thing. So acknowledging my thoughts, training my brain to say, no, thank you. Not right now. Yeah. Allows me to be creative like you, because you and I are always writing books, to be fully present. It allows me to have, you and I aren't 20 anymore, but we have energy mm -hmm. and we get it done in a week. That's amazing. And all of that is harnessing what we can control. Yeah. And learning to tame your work, great word, learning to move over what we and acknowledging it, but it doesn't run my life. I acknowledge them as scars. You know, right. they're, they're scars, you know, even the inner child that I, you know, felt that wasn't neglected on purpose. It was just circumstantial, you know, of when we look at the way our parents are brought up, they try and do better than their parents. And then we look at, we try and do better than them. But it's acknowledging that neglect wasn't, kind of purposeful is so they neglected me in a way you know that didn't know what else to do I suppose so you I think one of the big things in healing that 10% and acknowledging that 10% is forgiveness forgiveness of self and forgiveness of anybody else that's caused you the pain because if you don't forgive you're still harnessing a resentment which then blows out of proportion completely Agreed. And as you and I've done with our forgiveness work, it doesn't mean that what they did was right. No, no. It doesn't in any way condone what happened. But I am not living in the pain of what happened when I was three, four, and five. It happened. It's part of me. And that's okay. It's here. I'm still triggered sometimes yes. by these events of my past. But I love her. I shepherd over, let her know we're safe. And then I go and live my big, beautiful life. So it's really, I guess it's hard. This is hard work and it's much easier to drink and gamble. <laughs> yes, but it, resistance is futile. It doesn't right. matter how much you try and run from it or hide from it or numb it or, or disguise it. It is going to only get bigger and bigger and bigger unless you address it. It will show up in every area of your life. Absolutely. And I, I love, uh, I love, 
like you, I'm just such a student of speakers and podcasts. And I let Marianne Williamson said, I heard her in a podcast say that character defects are the wounds we have not healed. Mm-hmm. And I love that saying. And sometimes when I watch, uh, you know, someone get up on stage, I think, oh, if they'd heal the wounds, it wouldn't show up as the narcissism. It wouldn't show up in the ego. It wouldn't show up in the need to be right and interrupt and to me, that's key. Are we living a light like you? I want to live a self-servient life, a servient life. I want to be love and light in the world. And I'm a far greater witness of love and light if I've done the work to become love and light. Yes. But if you stand up with the, we all have wounds, don't get me wrong, I'm still wounded. But if we stand up with the wounds that are unhealed or healing, it does, it, we show up very differently. Mm-hmm. And is that how we wanted to show up? And if not, what are we willing to do to heal them? You know, I'm always saying I'm interviewing people that have stepped into their courage, their strength, discovered their abilities and found their meaningful purpose because of the journey they have gone through in the healing. And some people have had some horrific things. Uh, In this week, we have Patricia that had a brain injury from um, skydiving where somebody didn't do the instruction and landed on top of her and she had a brain injury, but she still went about doing her business, but then got scammed in business. Very highly sophisticated, went to Peru to meet a client and ended up in jail for four years. Oh, and, my goodness. And uh, wow. the government didn't help her. The American government didn't wow. help her. Um, and, and they would basically, they make money if you're in jail. So they're not in any interest to get rid of you. But the courage with a brain injury to survive that four years and make herself productive and then to step into when she finally she got out you know um, three grandchildren being born she hadn't seen you know husband had been fighting for her coming back into life and then knowing that all her business has completely changed now because everything else has happened this all's happened around covid and then but willing to step back into her life knowing what i call she's flawed flawsome she's flawsome she's put herself back together with self-love and with the love of support of other people. Now, when people can go through that and still stand tall, she knows exactly that those scars and those pain and those memories and everything are still with her, but she's chosen to feed that 90%, right? And let the 90% be the guide, acknowledge that 10% fear that comes up or anything else. It's going to come up, it's triggered. Right. Or you've had a lack of sleep or something, you know, a memory that you watch. It doesn't matter. It's going to come up, but it's facing it and going, okay, you were yesterday. Why are you here? Are you just a memory wanting to come back in and intrude? Or you just want a hug so I can release you. Mm. Oh, and, and as a speaker, I've been so blessed to share the stage with people with profound stories (laughs) like that. And how they even get out of bed, I don't know. But it's, you know, some of the happiest people I've met in my life have been to share Helen back. Yes. Because hell is a place to get shined up, polished off, and the edges burnt off, right? Yes. And then they come back, like, popping back into life, like, I'm back, and I get to be here and live this. What a witness to the rest of us. Yeah. That if she can get out of bed and go snuggle Mm -hmm. her grandchildren, we all can. Yeah. We all can. And I'm not just devaluing, uh, you know, that's something I try careful, be, to be careful not to do with my children is draw parallels of, yes. you know, we're not starving. There's no we're comparison. Not... Yes. So, yeah. Right, Each person's because... pain is their pain. Yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. Exactly. <laughs> so 
So I, I do try to meet them where they're at yes. for absolute sure without judgment, you know, to love them where they're at for sure. But when I meet such incredible human courage stories like that, what an incredible, I'll have to watch that. What an incredible interview that would be. And, and, and you know, I, I have to say it, it does affect me when I sometimes do those kind of interviews because I feel so much pain for this person of such yeah. injustice that was served. And it reminds you that there is so much injustice, so much cruelty, so much evil in this world. And I call them the third dimensioners. They're people that have not lived in a conscious, they're not in the heart and soul, right? Yeah. How can you knowingly go and hurt other people for your own yeah. gain or for your own pleasure? You, you can't have a heart and soul in, in, you know, it's switched off and you have to open up your heart, however much it's been hurt for your soul to speak to you. So as much as I feel sorry for those people, I'm feeding the victims to empower them to step into their light, into who they are, because they survived and every single day they wake up in gratitude. Right. And you know what that's like. I mean, right from young, you've been hit on the head. Now you've only got 4% in one eye. You know about that. The stalker that stalked you for a year and terrified you. And you were lucky because they caught him before you became the true victim like others did. Right. So you've been, you know that you've lived with that. And I'm sure that when you go into a dark garage and you park, it's over the shoulder looking all the time because that is that it's, there's two types of fear, common sense fear, when your antennas are up, knowing when to be afraid, there's something to be afraid of, pay attention. And then there's the other fear of kind of the unknown, and I'm too scared to walk forward, right? And it's uh, that's the fear I feel we have to address and pay, acknowledge it, acknowledge it, and then soothe it so we can walk forward. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you a unique story about the stalker. Absolutely. And again, back to the, it still lives. Yes. As, and you and I talked about it offline. I've watched many of your podcasts. It lives in my cellular body. Mm -hmm. And I have worked hard at making sure it doesn't show up in gynecologically for me because it could have, you know, all the, all the mother wounds and the mm -hmm. wounds that I have. I make, I understand fully. This is a mental, physical, spiritual release yes. of what happened. But like your, but I needed to go through the other side of that to be able to witness to other women and people that you can have things happen, but still go live your beautiful yeah. life, which yeah. your next guest is doing. But unique to me, I think God says to me, I'm a God person. And I think God says to me, do you think you can do the 90%? And I say, I do. And he says, how about now? Mm. And how about now? Mm. So I'd be back up. I'm up. It's good. I'm up. I'm up. <laughs> I got it. And he'll say, how about now? And then life will hit as it does and things will happen in my family and my extended family and my assistant of 30 years passed away last year and that was such a mm -hmm. terrible time for me so life will hit and god will say how about now so uniquely so this worker on the work on the stalker has been a 30-year journey and like you said i drag a suitcase through a dark parking lot i speak by my by, i travel every week spring and fall i stay in hotels by myself there's many indication and many times that i have uh concern right mm -hmm. like should i be i mean again that's the smart and the mm -hmm. rational and the rational, yes, the yes. rational. Yeah, yeah. but very unique story i was coming last summer i walk my dog holly every day not right now we're in a frozen canadian tundra but i walk my dog holly every day and i walk my dog holly every day and last summer i come around the corner and do you believe sarah my neighbor bought the exact truck that stalker drove oh my goodness 
And I believe it is actually the truck. Like it's an old collector's item now. It's same color, same everything. Yes, because it was I 30, can't... 30 or more years before, right? Oh, this was this was 37 years ago right. that this happened, right? So here I am, 54 in my suburban life, miles and miles away from this experience. And I came around the corner and my whole body went lead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And instead of running from that fear, I stood in that fear. Mm -hmm. And I just stood there and I thought, isn't this interesting? I gave myself a hug, hand on the heart, hand on the womb, you know, I love you and I'm sorry you had that experience. But I was so intrigued by the cellular response my yeah. body had to this after all these years. Yes. And so for the first couple of weeks, I, I go a different way. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't think I want to do this today. But now, of course, you know, it's fine. I walk by. Thank you for protecting me and making me safe, God. And then yes. I carry on. But you but, but honor what you said, Sarah, is honor the feeling. Give it a yeah. hug. Let let it know you're safe mm -hmm. because you can run, but you can't run forever. You and I think I'll keep you. <laughs> right. And I think the two by four, uh, you called them cosmic? Cosmic two by four, yeah. <laughs> I think they come as chopsticks first. <laughs> yes. Not too much wink, wink, yeah. <laughs> right. And then they're little and then they're a huge one. But I, I'm just so, so blessed with the life journey that I'm on to say, oh, thank you for the opportunity to make sure I truly am over this, that I can walk by this, feel grateful to be alive and safe and carry on with my suburban walk. Yeah, it's a kind of a, a reminder, you know, of um, A, you know, um, remember this feeling because that's again the common sense fear so that you recognize it so you know when to listen to it, right? But the other side of it is, Yes, you're paralyzed in the moment. I know what that's like. Everything about you freezes. You, you know, you, you watch mm -hmm. somebody you know, in an accident and they're watching people. And it's like slow motion as everything freezes, right? Because that's, the body does. It just contracts completely. But it's also then to look at it and go, look how far you've come in 37 years. Look how far you've come. And yes. that's the way I kind of choose to look at that. Temperature. I acknowledge you. You're not in my life anymore. It was a horrible, horrific memory. Thank you for reminding me of reminding me how far I've come now. Absolutely. I see, Sarah. My life is 100%, 1,000% different yes. Yes. than I ever thought it would be. And that is such a great reminder that I do, I do remind myself of that often. Because as the book that you read, like I was given label, not only did I have the traumas, but I was labeled by people and, you know, shamed and those are those come up too yeah. when you're at work and someone shames you, it can take you right back to where you were. Yes. And those are beautiful learning opportunities to say, okay, hang on this feeling. What, what is this? What is this? This is something undone. Interesting. Why is this bringing this up for me? What do I need to do to heal? That's the constant opportunity yes. if you're willing to look at it. I think it's also, you know, I, I'm a true colors coach, so the four key personality traits. And I think sometimes it's also part of our personality of which, whichever type we are, that sometimes um, I, you know, I've worked to know I'm worthy. You know, I just stand here now and say, I am. Just simply, I am. I've worked to get here, but that there's other 10% is there, really, <laughs> you know, exactly. and it's, I am in who I am, but in some other people's presence, I'm not so I am, 
right? And it's like, what what is it about them that brings up that insecurity where you, in that 10%, you don't feel enough when you can stand so tall in this other arena and go, I am, all right? And it's like, okay, all right, I'm, I've dealt with you so many times. Why are you still doing this, all right? And a lot of it is that we just have to let go of other people's opinions, right? It's theirs. It's really none of our business unless it really directly is targeted at us. That's their opinion. That's their choice. It's not ours. We don't need to take it on. Agreed. And what's unique about, about being a speaker is that people are given opportunity to tell you what they think of you every week with survey monkey links sent after the conference people are given evaluation forms am i a one terrible five great <laughs> so you that has been a very unique journey for me for 30 years to really be able to flesh through mm. okay is this sent to me with love i'll give you an example i used to talk too fast while i spoke that would come up i i used to use um a lav mic and people said they couldn't hear me properly. These are helpful things. Yes. So now I use a, a, a handheld microphone. I don't have that anymore. I've got a stage presence coach to help me with the pacing. So I'm more intentional about my movements. I'm all about filtering through the feedback yes. to see, is this sent, as you say, by an entity of love? Mm. <laughs> or is this sent by somebody else who is trying to get in at my love and light? Yes. And I'm not saying that's easy and doesn't come a lot easier with time mm -hmm. but because at the beginning of your speaking career you just can't believe that anybody would write something negative but for the most part i've learned to just say did i show up sorry you and i showed up you've been sitting in this freezing in your office for a week getting it done <laughs> yes. we show up i've missed one engagement th 30 years i drove all night if i have to i've had every imaginable travel experience i do my hair which is a lot <laughs> i care about my client i meet the people before i give my full spiritual self to the event well you know what that is sarah good enough yes 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 and having seen you as a speaker i mean i was jet lagged because i'd literally come in the night before and then my son says oh well, i bought your ticket we're going to this event and i thought i hope i don't fall asleep in it because of course you know jet lag sure. time change and everything else and um, but it was just like i just kept saying to him, i'm interviewing an interview and my son said well what makes you think she want to be interviewed by you i said i'm interviewing her <laughs> that's it she, she's my woman <laughs> everything you were saying i was relating to but it's all, I mean, you, you've got the state, you're a tiny little woman, and you've got this huge big stage, right? And you are, you know, a person that fills it up with your essence of who you're being. It's yes, the words are great. Everything that you're saying is great. We can go, yes, 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 yes. I agree. Yes, I need to do that. But it's the way you say it. You know, you you're coming across very calm and very centered, but you're radiating out. So behind the words is energy, is this essence. And they are quietly hugging everybody in the audience. Mm. And in doing that, they now pick up their ears and start listening to really what you're saying because they're feeling what you're saying, not just listening. And there's such a big difference there. Well, thank you, Sara. What a beautiful, thank you so much. What a beautiful evaluation. That is lovely. <laughs> because I do an enormous amount of grounding and spiritual work and a whole bunch of calling in and mm. bringing that out of my heart chakra. So it's very intentional. So mm. the point is, 
not only did I physically show up, which is a whole thing, yes. and I love getting ready, and I grew up very homely, so I love getting ready because it's my, my stage and my theater. I love it so much. So I package it, but I also energetically, physically, mentally, spiritually show up for you. Mm. And then, Sara, I get an evaluation, worst three hours of my life. What can I do with that? <laughs> what can I do with that? You know what I say? I'm sorry. I guess I wasn't the right speaker for you. Shepherd that's, that over. That's next. the thing. Yeah, exactly. They weren't ready to hear you. You know, people say to me, who listens to your podcast? And I said, all those ready to hear. Right? Exactly. Now, yeah. two people, I encourage people to have podcast groups like book, book parties, have podcast parties. Everybody listen and come together. What did you get out of it? And some people, well, I, don't know, I just got this. And then they hear what everybody else got of it. Well, what are you hearing that I'm not? And that is, a, 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 you know, inspiration begets an invitation. That's an invitation for you to start looking. How come they got all of that and you didn't? What is it saying about you? Perhaps you're living in your 10%. Right. Or I trigger them. Maybe yeah. I represent yeah. some girl in high school. Maybe they're not ready to hear it because, like you said, the cosmic two by four is still just a one by one. Just, yes. <laughs> the right. chopsticks are like that. They're just still right. chopsticks. It's just chopsticks. <laughs> so why, why do we own so much of the energy of the other people yeah. around us? So you know what I say to my motivational speaker friends? I say, how about we stop doing evaluation forms? Yes. Why don't you stop doing that? If you're yeah. beat up every week over the two that said she was a waste of my time, what's the smallness in you you need to heal? And then what, do you believe you did good? Yes, I would say I've ran many companies and I ran a retail store and I'd say to my team every day at the end of the day, do you, are you proud of what you did today? Oh, absolutely. And if you worked retail, you don't eat lunch, you don't have coffee, yeah. you work 12 hours a day. Same with and podcasting. Team, <laughs> same with podcasting. If they were speaking, you go and travel and do the thing. And I would say to my team, are you proud of what you did? And they'd say, we're so proud. And I'd say, then go home and exactly. do not think about this one customer that we did everything we humanly could because now you bring his energy home with you. Yes. Yes. I had a tuxedo business. That's why they were men. Yeah. But uh, you bring your, your energy home. He's now renting space in your head. And yeah. as Buddha would say, he walks through your mind with 30 feet. Okay. Let's stop all that. Yeah. Let's stop all that because I just want to center in. I love God, I love me. I love my family. I love my pets. Maybe pets, family. Maybe um, <laughs> the dog. Know, I love my, <laughs> yeah. Right. I love my gorgeous suburban life. Why would I let anybody? You and I. I, I listen to your podcast. You don't let those people in that in your energy. But so I did used to. I did used to. Right, because I spent good 50 years of just being a people pleaser. Well, I would say actually in my first years, okay, because I was so sickly and I was in a room with white walls, I had to go somewhere. So I went off on dimensional travel. So I was living in other planes, right? And, and I would say that uh, I was very kind of airy, childlike growing up, right up to maybe even my 20s, um, where I very much, and, and I think I do think I probably have some brain damage because being an asthmatic when you lose oxygen to the brain and I used to have to get rushed to hospital and we didn't have Ventolin back then and so yes I think it definitely had some things but but I also know that I'm a I'm a now knowingness person uh, what I need to know in the now it, it's not what I need to know five minutes from now or what I knew in the past if it's relative from the past to know what I need to know in the now for the future it will be and I realize I live in that but then I started changing in my 20s 
trying to be what other people wanted me to be mm. Mm. and and then they loved the spiritual being that I was and all the essence of what I was and then like a butterfly tried to net me and contain me in a jar and then slowly I wilted over the years and then it was a hard struggle to come back out and I've never come back out into that full beautiful light spirit I was mm. because again mm. of all the scars along the way but I've come mm. into a different place where I used to be in the dark as a form of escape didn't want to come out into the light now I go into the dark where I find my peace because I am the light but I had to work on it well it's all work it's all work (laughs) and it doesn't have to be difficult you know if we take away the resistance and we pay attention it doesn't have to be difficult that's a choice that's right. Oh, absolutely. Sorry. Absolutely. So to like, take a good look at the person in the mirror every morning mm-hmm. and start some intentions, start some self-awareness journeys. Every morning I look at the woman in the mirror and I love nines. So I say, am I a one or a, one to nine? I rate myself and one is not great. Nine is amazing. My goal is to feel nine, mm-hmm. but let's face reality. Some days I'm a one, but yes. I will not, I have a you read in my book, I have a strict three times complaint rule. Mm-hmm. So yes. I, may I share that? Please. Yes. I think they're okay. really good tips. So the three times complain is I think complaining is very important. Luckily, I grew up in a family where I grew up in, in and amongst five different families, 10 half and stepbrothers and sisters woke in and out. It was very colorful. But luckily, I grew up in a family where people help. They went to treatment. They went to meetings. They We weren't a family that swept everything under the carpet and then tripped over it, we kind of threw it in the middle of the dining room table. So for that, there was dysfunction in there, but that was also a really good baseline for me to learn about talking about how you feel. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of children grew up in houses where feelings weren't validated or real. So that gave me a nice framework for being able to do the work. And because I believe if, again, you don't talk about how you feel, you trip over it, and then your family, you roll up that carpet and put it in your own living room and your family trips over it. So (laughs) I'm all about pulling those up. So I like complaining because I think complaining and talking about how you feel is cathartic and important. I do. Otherwise, I do think we drink, drug, shop, gamble, Facebook, our problems away. So I'm all about talking about how you feel. And my girlfriends are my therapy for that. Mm -hmm. So because we all have things going on. Life is hard, Sarah. Yes. Life is hard. Yes. There's addictions and mental health and physical health and aging parents and, you know, being in a relationship is challenging. Being a mom is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Like life is hard. I get it. And each one of my friends and I have 10% that we can come together and vent and complain about with no judgment, no seminar. Right. You know what you should just, do? We just, just letting love. it go. Letting it go in a safe environment. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I believe, again, energetically, that's good for me cellularly. But then on the third time, we're done. Yeah. And we have lay those sucker out meetings, I call them. And we don't lay out the people, but we lay out the thing that we are complaining about. And we each are accountable to the healing journey. So it's terrible that you have this marriage challenge. It's terrible that this person just passed away in your life. It's terrible that you're having this mental health challenge. You could go around the friend group and we all have something, but what are we doing to heal? So then when we come back together, we've replaced most 90% of the time the shopping and eating with walking now. Mm -hmm. We all need to shop and eat 10% of the time, but 90% of the time it's all about walking and healing. And on the walk, we say, what have you done? So what are you reading? What are you watching? Who are you hanging out with? Have you gone to some therapies? Are you going to a healing modality? I like you. I seek a lot of spiritual advisors, 
mediums, clairvoyance. I love that type of healing. So what are you doing? Because it's one thing to live in the pain, but yes. to have an action plan. So that three times complain has helped me so much in healing the person and, and navigating through what is coming up for me and why is this still a trigger? And is it something that I'm big that I need to be healing right now? That's made a really big difference. You know, you talk a lot about themes and one has just come up in my head and from reading your book, um, you know, your mom left the family, you were raised by your father, <clears throat> you've, you've had the stalker, uh, you had this illness where you were in a literal bubble tent around your head. Um, you, you've had other things that were kind of to jeopardize you, you know, to kind of throw that curveball in you. And kind of that theme is, is almost a little bit of suffocation. You know, mm. uh, where people have tried to take the the air out of you, so to speak. But it's like every time, yes, it's like oh, I'm gasping for breath, but I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep doing this. You know, do I feel the shadows behind me? Am I, oh, you know, hyperventilating? Yes, but I'm going to keep moving forward. And then that's the thing is that we we all have something that you know causes yeah. it, palpitations or shortness of breath or you know. Um, farts you know people get windy when they get stressed right so absolutely whatever it is is that you know that is kind of you look back on your life is kind of a theme of of how your 10 percent shows up and if you recognize that theme of how that 10 percent is manifesting then you can really address you know with the not only the trigger but also what it's causing and start healing that that's so reflective and and to suffocate me you know people can be jealous mm -hmm. people can yes. you know that which is also a suffocating energy yes so yes and i have learned at the ripple of loving me first which again we not we're not taught that no we're not taught that oh, we no, aren't taught, and we, who do you think you are that's narcissism right yeah <laughs> and it's boastful and it's bragging yes. and i have an entire chapter on catholic guilt right like we have this belief that if you love yourself, that is boastful and bragging. Mm -hmm. But I say, who, whoever taught you that belief system, how are they doing today? Exactly. Are they the most rested, nourished, loving, light-filled humans you've ever met? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But this profound opportunity we have to become where we came from or the opposite and to put serious, strict boundaries around who is in that circle. And that's hard to do. Yeah. And that takes a long time to get to the point where you said what you said. But you can be in the face of somebody who makes you feel like you're not worthy. Yeah. And you look at that like, wait, wait, what? I did all the work, but now you're here and I'm reduced to a 12-year-old girl again <laughs> and I did all the work. So I have learned over the years. I say to my family, all the, to my friends all the time, you don't have to go to your mother-in-law's. Mm. You don't have to go every Sunday you don't have to you can start putting boundaries around it being easter and thanksgiving so start to look at where it's the life is literally being sucked out of you by the people around you and say do what do i have the courage and the worthiness to love myself enough to not do that anymore and that takes time i respect that and that's hard to do culturally for some uh, yeah it is hard to do I'm, i've got to that stage now that you know, I, I like the four agreements, Donria's four agreements, oh, but speak yes. your word with integrity. Um, don't take things personally when people attack you. It's their issue they're trying to impose on you. Um, don't assume. Ask. You have no idea what is going on until you inquire. And then do your very best based on 
your own integrity of what your best is for very simple agreements that I truly believe in, but especially the one of don't take things personally. And that was something I, I used to take personally. And if somebody attacked me, what did I do wrong? How did I offend them? But then as I have risen into this higher frequency again and gone back into my true meaningful purpose, I look at those people as injured souls that are looking yes. to heal. And they're still in what I call the finger pointing, where it's blame, it's blame, blame, blame. They've got to offload it on someone. But there's three fingers pointing back at them, you know, and saying to where's your accountability? What are you going to do about it? You know, um, own it, do something about it. And until we actually, as you said, chopsticks or cosmic two by four, until that something happens where now you've really got to deal with it. Many yeah. people is like, la, 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 la. I don't want to yeah. deal with it. And it's getting to that stage where, where you're at, where I'm at, because we've put the work in. And the people that kind of make me more insecure are always family, not other people, yes. family, right? Because, always, always. Because family never sees you for who you really are. They see a preconceived never. idea of what you should be. Um, totally. But it's, it's like, uh, if I'm not your cup of tea, that's perfectly all right. Yes. I'm not going to take yes. offense. There's somebody else Absolutely. out there for you. And become detached from this needing to please. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, having a few thousand evaluation forms a year really helps you yes. detach <laughs> from that. But like you, you and I've talked about so much. Those are, those are my teachers too. They are the teachers that come into my life that teach me, oh, this is still triggering me. This still makes me feel, this still bothers me. And that's why I use those as massive learning opportunities. But I always say, Zara, I'm a very kind lady. But I'm not a doormat. Exactly. I'm not a I like that. Yes. I'm trying to read my yes. writing here, notes that I made. Um, no, of course. <laughs> because I'm a scrawler. I'm a terrible writer. Uh, you know, addiction is, is is always looking to try and feed and heal something. Uh, you know, why do we become addicted? Because we're avoiding. Um, yes. We are filling ourselves up with something else that we don't feel the pain, but we're causing more pain. And so eventually we have to kind of focus in what is the pain in order to do the addiction. But, you know, I want to talk about depression because, you you know, you, it's something I definitely have dealt with a great deal in my life. And your husband, as you said, it was really, really hard to watch him go through that and until he got to a stage, you know, where he, I'm okay, I'm, I'm shifting, I'm willing to do the work. And, you know, we can't help <clears throat> our loved ones because they don't see us in the same light that other people do. And so it's so hard to actually help your family. But he's written a book on it now, and he's obviously on a healing journey. But depression is so crippling, where people don't understand there's no rationality to it. There's no logic to it. Do not tell us to snap out. Somebody's come in and pulled our very guts, heart, and soul out of us, and we're in despair. And we don't know why we're in despair. We just are. And then what are we going to do about it? And it's a horrible feeling, so I don't want anyone to go through that. But it was realizing what I had to do in order to heal that. And I haven't had a depressive incident now in a few years because I finally broke that back. Right. Amazing. But, but it's, I understand how I do understand how some people commit suicide in that state yes. of fear. And I think if you caught them on the other side, did you want to die? It would be, no, I just wanted to stop the pain. Right. Exactly. Exactly. A few things I'll say about living with depression is Firstly, but one of our best friends took his life very uh, to depression. And what my girlfriend said it right. She said, now his pain is over. 
And if he would have had a debilitating physical ailment and did that, we'd all feel like, oh, he did that to get out of pain. It's the same analogy. So I thought that was a very unique way to set that up. Having lived with depression, something unique happened for me because I've had opportunity to live with it in the past as well. So I've had a little bit of a front row seat for a lot of my life. I've learned a few things. What you said is so true. They have to hit their cosmic two by four. They have to hit their rock bottom. You can't make them happy. And it was such a humbling experience to be a motivational speaker, speaking to the world about being positive and having a 90% view. And then God said, how about now? Mm. And how about now? So I, but it was, it was the lowest. And I say in my first book, the lowest I was in my depression journey with my husband, his depression journey, the lowest I was, I was praying to God and saying, what will you have me do here? And the voice in my head said, this is for you. This is for you. And so what it taught me, and my husband and I, well, we do lots of podcasts together. He's a speaker too. (laughs) They call us Oprah and Dr. Phil. But my husband and I talk a lot together on podcasts as well. But I'll tell you what it taught me. That could I love me so much that I would bring a full vessel to him? mentally physically spiritually psychologically could i show up for my marriage with a husband that was depleted and be a full vessel Mm -hmm. i knew that would be the biggest gift i could give him and my friends i'd say to my friends if he had some kidney disease and he was unwell what would i do i would love him i would feed him i would be patient with him i would ask him what he needs and i was 90 percent of the time 10 percent of the time i was ready to you know, push them out the window. So let's be real. But 90% of the time I was committed and I had a newborn, I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old mm-hmm. when Darren went into, so there was that, but my commitment to show up for me, the person in the mirror, and I called it going on my island. I used to say, I'm going to go on my island, which I wished, but it was my metaphor for, I'm going to go over here now and I'm going to do what I need again, mentally, physically, spiritually, psychologically. Was that was that pray was that cry was that lay in a bathtub was that go for a walk was that eat a whole chocolate bar whatever i needed to do i did so i went on my own island a lot and that in the in the time of the depression was was a resentment for my husband well what do you mean you get to go over there and be well and go for a bath and feel good after and here i am but now he so fully respects that the gift i gave that was to come to that full not negative you know depleted meeting depleted would have caused a lot of resentments and i'm not saying it was it was perfect oh my gosh it was so hard and it's marriage is work marriage is so much work on a good day Mm. much less layering on so and here we are on the other side my husband's the best version he's ever been Mm. ever been but he had to wake up and say okay that's it i need to do all these things because you know better than anyone sorry it's not it's not a pill. It's not talk therapy. It's not exercise. It's not that it's all of it. Yes. It's all of it. You have yes. to figure out the rhythm of what works for you. It's not a straight line. It's a no. continuum. I woke up today. Where does it okay, hurt? So what did Everywhere. I do? Yeah, 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 it is. It uh, is that. And, you know, and I eventually kind of found some, some pills to take when I go down the rabbit hole and they're sitting there. They're there. You know, if I great. do get a time period where, yep, I'm feeling that. I need some help. I may take the pills for a few days just to get my equilibrium back. Or I do what the best therapy for me is working, 
right? Doing yes. this because I'm in my, my truth and my essence doing this, but also music. And scientifically, music has been proven to rebalance our equilibrium. The frequencies mm -hmm. rebalance our equilibrium. And it's a, it and, and just helps you get back to it. That doesn't mean you don't have sad days, but you don't have the big depression days. And one of the reasons I think, because I also live with a disease, is those sad days come up to tell me you're overworking, you're overtired, you're over mm -hmm. this. And mm -hmm. I'm just warning you, right? You need to take some time out and look after yourself. Otherwise, those sad days are going to get bigger. And I've learned to partner with my disease and listen to it. And it honors me and I need to honor it. Otherwise, we can't we can't work together. Amazing. And I believe that the body, like you have been saying, it whispers or it yells. And I think the headaches, I think the, you know, the stomach, the bloating, the whatever, that's why the self-awareness journey of looking in the mirror every morning saying, how are you doing? Yes, yes. How are you doing? Because... And then I love to map out the day before. So I've been spent 30 years moving the dial. I don't ask people to go from one to nine overnight. If you could do that, you would never be depressed. Right. You have to move the dial every day, one to 1.1. 1 .1. Yeah. And then you move the dial. And then you wake up and say, mm, I don't feel too good today. What did I do yesterday? Mm. But when you wake up nine at a nine, you say, oh, I got to feel amazing. What did I do? I want to replicate that. Yeah. And and I know people are, are self-aware of what the Kardashians are doing than what's going on in their own body and their own mind. And if we just spend some soulful loving time with that person in the mirror every morning and saying, how are you doing today? My, my nickname, my inner child is sweetie. And I just I say, sweetie, that, yes. how are you doing today? How are you doing today, hon? And then I say, Oh, I'm a little bit headache, like stiff. Hmm, I wonder why. And so I think that that constant journey of where am I at? How am I doing? What do I need? It only yeah. taught us to ask what we need. Who and, and you going to quote quote your island going doing what you're needing to do you're bringing back your full essence your cup yeah. runneth over and although he thinks he's not receiving it he is and it slowly drips in and drips in and drips in if you were in the same despair it would only make his depression worse but but you coming in your light and a soft light a loving light it slowly flies finds its way through the cracks Right. And again, 90% of the time, I don't want to get in any way say I was perfect. You know, there was lots of very difficult days. It's very difficult. But it was it's a unique journey to go on to live with somebody with mental health because if my husband broke his arm, mm -hmm. I would have took him in. They fixed it. Yes. People would have signed the cast. My friends would have brought me casseroles. <laughs> he might have even got some gifts. But here we were alone in our suburban home. He couldn't get out of bed. No casseroles. Mm -hmm. Nope. No flowers. People don't want to know right. when it's depression. They don't want to know if somebody's in addiction, somebody's in depression, because they don't know how to handle it. They simply yeah. don't know. We, we've got, if you, have you seen the ads that have been going on, uh, Auntie, where they talk about people, you know, what percentage of people uh, think about suicide every day and somebody going one or two and they go to 200 a day. And then how many uh, percentage of the population say they suffer from depression on some level? Oh, maybe 10%, no, 52%. Right. Yeah, and this, where, this, these are these Amazing. kind of well, mental wellness ads that are going on where they're talking to regular people about what they think is going on. And then they're shocked at what is going on. And, you know, I've got this book coming out, our Forgotten Children book series, which will be out on um, 20th of February. And it's um, 15 of us in this book, each one addressing 
issue around parenting, whether it's, you know, the mother depleting herself so she can't be the parent or issues with the child that we need to change the system of and be more supportive. And the whole thing about that is it's when you're aware there's a problem and you decide to care about that problem, you start seeing solutions. You start seeing mm. things and then the dialogue starts happening. What if we try this? What if we try that? I'm unaware of that. I need to know this deeper. Really? Is that happening? And that's the whole thing around that book and, and many of the shows that we do is when you become aware, right? Be aware of yourself. Be aware of your 10%. Yes. Be aware of your 90%. Be aware of why are you doing what you're doing? Not just because you're good at it. Why you? Why have you? Darcy Lang, being for 30 years a public speaker, leaving your home, traveling everywhere, gunmen flying around the airports, and God knows what else has happened along the way. Why do yeah. you pack your bag and go and do it? What's so important to you? Because I'm asking you that, but also when we find what that importance is of why we do it, I think we found our meaningful purpose. Agreed. A couple of things I'll say. I'm so grateful to be living in a time where depression and anxiety are being talked about so yes. openly and that our young people who, you know, all my children are in their 20s, their friends, it's a whole thing with this generation. So I'm so grateful to be in a time where that's an open dialogue conversation. Getting like, rid of I the didn't shame. Know, <laughs> yes, getting rid of the shame. And, and like, again, broken arm or mental, it's the same. Let's, let's heal yes. and bring a casserole and yeah. be supportive and do the things. So for me, the, the why, that's unique you ask that because I mentor a lot of young, uh, I guess now you and I are, seasoned <laughs> but I I'm 69 darling of... you're still a baby <laughs> okay. right right and I um, mentor a lot of young speakers and young entrepreneurs and it's my give back for the people who've mentored me I've built my entire entrepreneurial career on mentors I barely graduated from high school I had no one put secondary I've everything I've ever wanted to know I've sought a mentor and no one has ever said no to me so I give back for that and the first thing I always ask a young entrepreneur, or not young, an entrepreneur or a new speaker coming into business is, why? Why do you want to do this? Yes. What's your intention, purpose, mission? Why? Oh, to prove to my mother I could be something. Okay, that won't work. Oh, <laughs> uh, to be rich. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. That would be great. Sure. Okay, so great. We all need money. Money makes this world go round. I completely get that. But really tap into the why. What's the serving why. And once they get that, then it's going to, you know, it doesn't magically work, but that's going to make a huge difference. Because if you can come up with a why, that's your go-to all the time. And that becomes your mission statement. So my why is I am like you called to this work. The first time that I spoke 30 years ago, I was running a tuxedo rental store that I just bought. I was 18 when I started with the company and at 24, I bought my first tuxedo store. So I was very young and female in a very male dominated business. And I moved a province in Canada here away to open it up. And my bank manager at, at the time, because back in the day, we used to take bags of money to the, to the bank. Remember yes, every day we yes. take bags of money, yeah. And I would take bags of money into the bank. And my I had started this 90% idea where in my quarter life crisis at 24, my rock bottom, my two by four, I, I got a book as God would have planned. I believe, I believe God's got this big book and when he actually gets through, he checks you off. Yes. So these books from the library 
And because I had no money, I just bought this store, I had no money and I was crashing and I felt it coming and I was drinking all the time and it was awful. So I got this book from the library, a whole bunch of them. And the one on the top, God providentially said, that one will be on the top. And I opened the, the, just open it as you do. And it said, you hold a magnifying glass out in front of you in your life. You choose Mm. where you focus it. Mm. And in that moment, that changed, it was just, oh, and I started, that was a Monday and Friday. By, and so every day I'd wake up and rather than pointing the finger that you said and blaming and victim and all the things I'd been up to that point, I decided I'd wake up tomorrow and I would start to see what's good, what I can control and what I'm grateful for. Uh, warm home, mm. I have food in my fridge. I was 24, I bought a business, the yes. brains to be able to do that. Uh, and then I would do that and the brain would just hijack me but out and I'd be like, nope, today we're going to look at what's good. So by Friday, my bank manager said, you're different because again, you brought the money in every day and I saw them all the time. And he said, I want you, what are you doing differently? And I said, oh, I'm doing this magnifying glass idea. And he said, why don't you come and speak to my staff? Every Friday morning, we gather in the, in the lobby of bank and i'd like you to tell them about this idea well i'm 24 <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not a speaker i barely graduated and you want me to public yeah. speak and i said okay and i regretted it like i sweat throughout that whole week so stressed out and i stood in front of his staff you know 30 years ago and i just gave them my message i just i wasn't a god person then i hadn't written in i had met god yet and i just stood in front and i said i i'm gonna do this i'm gonna share and I have never Sarah advertised. Right. Not once. Mm-hmm. Yep. One hundred percent referral all for my entire thirty year career. That is to me a real sign. But I knew as soon as I stood up on that in a bank lobby, I knew. It was like God said, Finally, I've been waiting a long time. Yes. And I knew. So my why, my why to answer your question, the long answer to your question is because if I can give you the tool that has radically changed my life yeah. and just one of you in that audience that I met you at in that theater takes that little mic, because everybody gets a little magnifying glass. And if everybody, if just one takes that magnifying glass and does something slightly different, yeah. that's my why. That's it. That, that's the reason why I do these podcasts is too, is that if there's one little pivot, one little light bulb moment, one thing that shifts you in a different direction that's better for you. Hallelujah. Uh, Jay Shetty, a great interview to watch is Jay Shetty along with Trevor Noah. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of Trevor Noah. I find him just has an incredible equilibrium about him, the way he can see both sides. Uh, Very, very profound. Uh, And he uses humor in his way to do it, but he's very profound. And that was a wonderful interview between the two of them. And uh, you know, they talked about their why and no turns, you know, ball back to, well, why do you do what you're doing? Uh, and he said, you know, what's your purpose? And he said, this is it. This is my why. Interviewing people like you, that right. sheds light on other people who are listening. And of course, that is my why too. I came across this nearly 12 years ago. It took me a long time to get, I had to wait for the internet and podcasts need to come about and for me to be ready. But then I also realized that everything I've done in my life prepared me for this oh, yes right and that's oh, the thing when, when we look at that cosmic two by four we look at why did i take to the direction why did that horrific thing happen to me because it all becomes part of that relatability it becomes a part of your story where you're not it is the story now you're not attached to the story 
you're not attached to the story anymore of pain or emotion, but you can talk about the story and you can show other people that are going through their own story that I can talk about this story without fearing fearful or I'm going to be swallowed up or, you know, head for the bottle. And that's the beauty of it. Being able to talk about the horrific things that happen to you and show through feeding the 90%, addressing that 10%, this is where you can be today. And that illumination, I feel, is essential in our society to show people you can too. Mm, thank you, Sarah, for that. And that's why the vulnerability, people will often say, just even yesterday I did a, a virtual conference and one of the women emailed and said, I can't believe your level of vulnerability, but I believe that's my street cred. Yes, yes. Right? Is the, you know, maybe I'm not packaged that you think I ever had a problem. Right. So maybe the judgment is then lessened that I hear you and I understand life is hard. Here's some of the hard bits I've had, but this is the why I'm here today. I'm here to share this message so you can take that with you. you I mean, this, something. I, yeah, no, it's, it's just the way you've done the book. It's like, you know, you, you come and let's talk about it. And then when you hit kind of like physically and, and uh, let's talk about your health, it's like you're sharing what happened to you. And then it's like, let's talk about what's happening to you. You know, uh, right. what, what you can do about it. So, you know, um, it is about what the solution is, what you did that worked. And but you do it, you know, inspiration begets invitation and people are inspired by the story, but you're inviting them. OK, now what can we do about it? And that's throughout the book. And I'm assuming it's throughout all of the books, you know, like the living alone and then the healing, all of these lovely titles that you have here. And and it's all about kind of asking ourselves the question. You know, you've shared your story and then it's thrown back at them and kind of asking themselves the question. And I think that's the kind of reflection that we need is like, where are you at this? Well, you know, what can you relate to this story? Did something similar happen to you? How are you looking at it? How are you treating it? And the, people don't get asked that. It's like a suck it up, man. Are you still worrying about that? What, you know, and isn't it time you got over that already? And it's like, if we haven't dealt with it, and if we haven't looked at our sweetie, our inner child, if we haven't hugged and loved that inner child, the reason why we see so much escalation of narcissism and psychopathicness out there is because it's a wounded child that never healed. And they're constantly looking for people to fill up that hole. And nobody, yeah. nobody on the outside can fill up that hole. They can assist you with the right tools, the right the right wind behind uh, under your wings, but you have got to fill that hole up. And you've got to fill it up with love. Absolutely. So the why, yeah, yes, all my books are set up that way. You're absolutely right. And your why, why do you want to feel better? Because that's the key is what's your goal and goal? Why do I want to invest in only having pizza and wine twice a month? Because I feel like a million dollars when I eat really well. So why do I want to do that? So that I can have something for this beautiful career, but have something left. So I'm a for my family and I'm an accountability person. I'm all about showing up. I'm not perfect, I make mistakes, but I show up for my life. And to the point when I run into people in the grocery store who say, oh, I saw you speak, it was so great. I always say the same thing. My God, thank you for complimenting another human because it takes some people yes. a lifetime mm -hmm. to compliment. So I'm always very grateful. But then I say this all the time to them. I say, did you do anything with it? Yeah. 
Yes. Did you do anything? I'm super grateful for the compliment and I'm grateful for the accolades and the signing the books and the hugs and the standing ovations. That's all amazing. And I'm super grateful for that, but that feeds the ego. Yes. And I've had to learn to pack that up because nobody at home, I don't get those standing ovations. Yeah. Well, for the door, you're just mom, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so I've learned to put that into great perspective, which is a whole other podcast because um, you can't, you know, again, I pack it up and come home and do laundry and walk dogs and yeah. no one cares. They would love and support me, but blah, yeah. blah, blah. So this intentional question of what did you do with it? That's more my greatest goal is you heard it because Sarah, I'm not right for everybody. So no. I don't say people say, I saw a speaker, I didn't like her. Then go to another one. Right, exactly. Listen to a different podcast, read a different right. book. Don't stop there. Right. 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 There's like, somebody that's right for you. Yeah. Agreed. And fill the toolbox up. You know, yes. again, show me what's on your phone. What are you reading, watching, hang, you know, what what is your podcast? Well, I'm a podcast junkie. What is loaded up on your phone? I don't have social media, personal social media. I don't doom scroll. I am constantly looking at what I eat, read, watch, surround myself with. Is this going to make me a better human? Because when yeah. I'm a better human, I'm a better speaker. I'm a better at, with my family at the end of the day. And you, that you, takes you're the self -love. Of that light. Yeah, that is exactly what it's about. You know, with Gay saying with these shows, listen, learn and apply. Yes, listen, yeah. be inspired. Learn what this person has gone through, but how they got out of it and apply whatever they did to your own life. How do you know if it's going to have an effect on you or not? If you don't listen, learn and apply something, something. Exactly. And that's when a really par healthy part of the uh, circle of girlfriends with the three times yeah. complain. Okay, so what are you doing? Then we learn from each other. Oh, I read this book. I listened to this podcast. I went to this counselor. I went to this acupuncturist. So it's not only a way of us being accountable to yeah. each other for our healing journey. It's also a information gathering of what did you do that was amazing. But I signed up for this life, Sarah, and oh, you yeah. and I both. Yeah. 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 So. And I say at the beginning of my book, I signed the soul's contract that said this would all yes. be for me. Yes. So why would I not go live it the best possible way? The genetic odds of us even being born, that yeah. alone is amazing. And I had a 16-year-old mom in a time that didn't keep their children. Yes. So I already won the lottery. Mm -hmm. And so I'm here, chosen to be here, to live out this life. Let's go. And then all the people that come into my life and try, I think, I don't want to do this again with you. So let's figure out a way to get this over with here so that I can not have the energy of it. Again, I don't want to do this again with some people. I want this beautiful love and light. Exactly. That's what we've worked for. That's what we've journeyed for. Um, that's what we've evolved to be. You know, uh, we have, have chosen to live in that 90% all the time. It's just that we acknowledge the 10% and what it needs from us or what it needs us to address. But that doesn't, we spend 90% on the 10%, right? Please we spend 10% on the 10% and we focus on the 90%. And that again is what you see, be conscious of what you see, conscious of what you feed, conscious of how you feed it, water it, nurture it. And then if you suddenly got a, a garden full of weeds, well, you planted those, darling, right? So. And also don't tug at the roots, let everything grow when it's meant to grow. And maybe it's not meant to be picked. Maybe it's just meant to be there in all its beauty and all its seasonal. Mm. And it, it's pay attention. 
I feel so much that people don't pay attention. They're so busy feeding that 10% and watering that, that they don't realize, hey, you've got 90% over here. It's 90% good. Why are you feeding that 10% so much? It's getting fat. That's so good. That's so great. Because again, if you wake up checking off health, family's health, a warm home, food in the fridge, garbage in a garbage can, you know, I live in this beautiful beautiful suburban neighborhood, I'm safe, the list goes on and on and on, then that really sets a mindset. But then you can and then start to see the world and think, oh, it's not that good. How do you change it? By showing up love and light. If I'm love and light, mm-hmm. pardon me? It's trillion percent. <laughs> trillion percent. <laughs> so in the only thing that I can control in this vastly uncontrollable world is how I treat me. That's it. Yeah. There's nothing else. Not how my family treats me. Yes. How I treat me. And if I treat me with love, you know, again, 90% of the time, I'm not perfect. But if I treat me with love, then I can fill from that place of love. And if I'm self-sabotaging and I'm not taking care of me, there's another reason. And I'm for a chocolate bar and pizza and wine and do all the things, but they can't be 90% of the time. Yes. Yes. You know, let's, yeah. So I can carry on and on, but discernment and pacing yourself and really looking at what you need. I think one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself every morning is wake up with gratitude. I'm awake. I'm awake. There's a whole day in front of me. Yes, you've got yeah. X, Y, and Z on that day. Instead of like, oh, I've got X, Y, and Z on that day. I've got X, Y, and Z on that day. You know, I've, I've, I've lately, I've kind of been in a traffic jam because with this anthology book, I had to get it out to the publisher yesterday for it to be done in time. And, and when you're hurting other authors, you know, in an anthology, it can be challenging at times. And oh, yes. pl- plus, you know, um, having been sick and all the shows that I had to do and all the other books that are coming out as well there's just being like everything came at once I have the philosophy of balls up in the air all right you may drop down I'm ready for you nope you stay up there unfortunately this just happened to be a time that two or three of the balls needed to drop down all at the same time and it's like okay yeah it's a little exasperating take a deep breath you know you can do this and methodically get through it Right. And it's, but don't put yourself in that space to live like that every day. It's going to happen now and again, but try and manage those balls because we don't put so much pressure on ourselves. We have more time to be the essence we are that's serving other people instead of depleting ourselves. And then what have we got to give? Absolutely. That's why staying on my island, rested, nourished, Mm. taken care of is it's like an armor. I'm ready for anything. And I say to my girlfriend, who is self-sabotaging, I say to her, if a crisis hits in your life, if something happens with your parents, you are going to go down like lead yes, <laughs> because yes. you're not equipped for anything that life will throw you. So the, I, I find this quite powerful to yes. be extreme self-care, like, like very, the men, you know, the sleep exercise, nutrition, the meditation, prayer to do those, the very basics. Well, armor. But then in times, of course, I have that start where I'm traveling all night, where I've got a book deadline. I'm with you. But I make absolute sure there's recovery. That's the point. You may not be able to have every day those things you normally would do for your day because there's other demands that are all piled up at the moment. Of course. Okay. Of course. You know you're capable of doing them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been given. 
So it is literally which ball am I dealing with right now? Do that next, or maybe I can overlap them. Um, I, and you just look at the, I'm not a great manager. I'm not a great strategist, but I've had to learn to be a little more methodical. And it's just dealing with it and go, the less anxiety I have over this and take the deep breath, the quicker I'm going to get through it. And at the yeah. end of it, not only is it like, oh, thank God, it's done, out of my hands now, I can take a breather before any more balls drop down and do that little nurturing I need, right? And that, and, honor yourself. And celebrate. And, and celebrate, celebrate Sarah. Yes. Celebrate how amazing you are. Like this worthiness piece, celebrate, rest, recover, you know, get, get on your own island and say, okay, what do I need? I need to unplug my, I'm a big unplugged person. Mm -hmm. Like I need to put my phone in the other room for three hours in an evening. Like I, nobody needs me that bad. I mean, yeah. when we're in crisis, of course we need that on, but for the most part, let's unplug and go do what fills your soul. If it's music, if it's reading, if it's walking. And I know people who don't have any idea what makes them happy anymore because they've been people pleasers yes. like you were, you're recovered now, but you're have spent a whole you recovered, <laughs> but who are, you know, have been spouse or mother or caregiver or whatever for so long, they have no idea who they are because they've been lost in these roles. That's fair, fair. But every day, just a tiny little dial more. What if you took five minutes? What if you change your XL coffee to a large? What if you did something where you woke up, mm, not great, what could I do to move the dial slightly? Just yeah. this belief that you're worth it. And I speak at women's conferences with five, 600 women. And I can't tell you how many email me after and say, I never, I've never thought it was worth taking care of. I have women say, I've never, I haven't looked in a mirror for 20 years. Okay, so there's a way to start. Why? It's like the working alcoholic, isn't it? But I'm still functional. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't know how they are. I don't know how I do. And it's about how functional do you think you really are? All right. right. And, and, and don't you think there's an expiry date here if you keep pushing yourself so much and ignoring? Because that cosmic yes. 254 is coming. Right? You betcha. And, and, and sometimes the recovery from that 254 can be much, much harder than acknowledging that you need to change now. Absolutely. And we're playing roulette with our health. We've talked about our health a little bit here, but I, I don't know about you, but I know people who would give everything they conceivably own for a year of health. Yes. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's everything. So if you woke up with the health to be here and we live in a country with healthcare and all the things that we have. We're lucky here. Okay, start there. Yes. <laughs> now you and I get, to, we get to pick our job. You and I are in control of whether we do a podcast today or not. Exactly. That's so huge. You've got grandchildren, you're moving, it's so much excitement in, but it's the, but I say to people all the time, people around you know what you don't like, what isn't good and what isn't working in your life. They know. You, If I came home and had dinner with the people that most of the people I meet, they would tell me they don't like this, they don't like that, they don't like that. But do the people around you that love you and work with you and know you, do they know what you love? Mm -hmm. Do they know what you're grateful for? Do they know how much you love doing this podcast? I'm guessing they do. Do they know how much I love speaking? That's my point, is that it becomes such a habit to wake up. I say people wake up to come to my training session. They wake up, oh, it's snowing out. Oh, I got to go to this stupid thing. They arrive at the thing. Their energy, because you and I are energy people, their energy is get this thing over with. My boss made me come here. Yes. You know, they complained about parking. They complained about the coffee in the banquet room. That's just a habit. 
Yeah. That's just a habit. And they're good people and they're loving people, but they think it's normal behavior to show up dragging this anchor around of 10%. Oh, my poor life. Okay. What if today you woke up and said, but what is good? Just give me one thing. Your, your children are healthy. <laughs> Take that away, move the dial, and your life would change forever. Right? So 100%. I agree. I mean, you know, you kind of it reminds me of the analogy. I went through the snow in my pajamas to get to school. You right. know, Anna, you've right. been through it. You've done all of that. I've done these podcasts with COVID. I've just recently had the RSV virus. The times that I cancel is like when it was 40 degrees in my office, I couldn't do it. I did it at minus three. If it'd be minus 10, no. But also if my children, my grandchildren are in need, the family will yes. always come first. And if I have to cancel yeah. for that, I will because they're priority but you know it also I think is setting this is the work time I come to my desk at 9 9 30 oh, yes. my breakfast and my lunch is here at five I'm gone everything yeah. is done unless there's an absolute deadline then it's totally different but otherwise it's it's done I'm done for the day and it's set that time this is I love what I do absolutely wonderful but if I'm going to work longer and longer and longer I'm going to get resentful of how much time it takes from me Right. Rather than loving what I'm doing and then stop, replenish, come back to love what I do. Oh, we could do another hour and a half on this. You just got to have to come back. Also, <laughs> well, I would love it. But agreed. And uh, I have in my books a doorknob theory where I put my hand on the door and I don't come in my house and tell them positive. I also have that with my business. I don't come in. And I have very strict parameters around my business. Very, I don't check emails in the evening because, sorry, if I go check an email, I'm gone mentally for an hour. I love my emails. Looking yeah. for a speaker, oh, yes. like a drug. It's awesome. I love my emails. So I, we do not work on the weekends. I mean, of course, exceptions yes. with deadlines and certain clients, of course. But for the most part, I'm unplugged. I have no notifications on my phone. I'm not Oprah. I don't uh -huh. need to be getting back to me. And if I have a client who says, I emailed you at 10 o'clock at night and I expect an email back, we're not a fit. No, we're not a fit. No, we're not a fit. And luckily, I'm at the point in my career where I can say, well, thank you so much. But I don't think it's going to work out. Right. Because, exactly. exactly. Oh, absolutely. And I take my speaker brain out. I put my wife and, and mom and pet owner brain in. And then I come home. You're and the I'm other Darcy. Right. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I, I clearly think we're two sides of um, in our lives. You know, I've always been the spiritual being. And that when I was in that, as in truth, I was in clarity, I was in peace and everything else. And then this humanoid who was busy trying to fit in and be everybody, everybody else wanted. And why can't you see this, you know, uh, and uh, trying to bend backwards into a pretzel, you know, and it was uncomfortable. And then that finally waking up and merging together and realizing the strength of my humanity is in my spiritual and that the two together are, are really kind of so bound together that they are strong and that it doesn't matter. You know, but you can set those parameters. If people go, well, I'm demanding this and that. People say, who do I interview? I say, all those first and foremost that come from the heart. If you don't yes. come from the heart, I don't want you. If you're coming from the ego, if you're coming from self-importance, if you're coming from money, I don't want you. Yes, money could be something that you people are aiming for. Everybody needs it. Everybody like more of it. But if the heart isn't in it, truly the heart isn't in it, then it's not going to be a message I want to send out. And the heart is the, is the generator that the soul, God, universe, spirit, Gus, what anybody wishes to call it, is the wisdom that is given to the mm -hmm. heart in truth for the spirit mm -hmm. to step into action and for the mind to know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. 
And the more you're in the heart, the more that divine presence will always be your compass, will always show you the right way. And you know you're doing it in truth and you don't question because there's the peace in that clarity. And it's a beautiful mm. place to be, isn't it? Oh, it's a beautiful place. And you said resentment. If you're resent, I'm writing my fifth book right now called Serve the 90%, How to Run Your Business from a Conscious Place. And I believe that if you're resenting your business because you feel like it's taking over your life, the ripple, energetic ripple of that is huge. But then I guarantee you, your family resents what you do. Yes. Because they see it as the place 90% of the time. 10% of the time it beats us up when we get that. But 90% of the time, if you're showing up love and light, doing something that's love and light, you're witnessing to your family to go do something that's love and light. Yes. I want nothing more than my adult children to pick a job that makes them happy, fulfills their soul, and they want to go with. Do I go to every day? Do I show them what that looks like at the dinner table in the evening? Or do I come down a rag complaining and resenting my business? Yeah. So it's a good self-reflection for people to say, how do I show up for the person in the mirror? How do I show up in the world? And how, what do my family think of what I do and how I show up in the world? 90% of the time, because you know, you, you said it, family, family are the ones who will bring out our worthiness. But I think it's the also most... the way we look at enrichment and abundance. I feel incredibly rich and abundant the work that I do. I am very, very filled. And I'm hoping that the shows that I bring to other people fills them. That is, for me, really abundant. But that doesn't match my bank account. And so for the kids, but you don't make money, mom, right? You know, and podcasting is hard. You know, I have a donation button, uh, you know, podcasting is one of those platforms that you've got to, got to get outside influence to pay. No, if you feel it's worthy, there's the dollar sign. But that's, and they can't get it where I'm coming from. They just can't get it. It has to be free will. I'm sorry. That's just the way my code conduct is set up. But they're still at that stage that if I'm not, making the money and sustaining myself on the right level, then do I really love what I'm doing? Is it really abundant? Because it's mm. it's not feeding me on that side. And I've always looked at money very differently. I've got no issue with money. Give me a lot of it. I know exactly what I do with it. You know, put it to right. work straight away. It's yes. just for some reason, the universe says, I'll just give you enough to survive, enough to be able to put your head up over the water. But money is not the generator. And mm. so when if other people look at money as being kind of the compass and the measurement of who you are, they're not going to see your abundance. Absolutely. And it can be, you know, it can be like that where then the competition is who's making what. Yes. And at the end of the day, do you wake up and look at the person in the mirror and are you happy? Yes. And if what you're doing is happy and filling your soul, then you're on the right path. And if at any point you wake up three times in a row and drag yourself to work saying, oh, I got, I got to go to that stupid yeah. thing. I have to do this stupid podcast. Then I would suggest you spend some soulful time on Saturday morning yeah. with a tea and a fireplace in your pets and you start writing out, what, where, what am I thinking about? And where is this all coming from? And what do I need to do to start healing, to pick a theme, get a ring, start a process of healing and every day look at, did I do, how was today? How was today at the end of the day? Do I feel fulfilled? Then, then we're, we're on the right path. And I, I think I when, you, when you sit down to write, please don't think it. Please oh. don't think it. Let it pour out of you. I wrote my book that way. I just, it, it just, the fingers did the walking. Because you don't, I can't even read my writing. Never mind me, write it up by hand. Or thank God for the computer because I now can express. But it's just let the fingers do the writing. And then 
take a step back, go out of the room, come back and read what you've written. And it'll, oh, ah, um, ah, right. And it is a reflection of how you're feeling. It's telling you the inside story. Oh, great. And I'm downloading book, as you may have read in that book, I'm downloading entire books. Mm -hmm. And yes. so I, I'm very tapped, but there's also a lot I do mentally, physically, spiritually yes. to tap into that creative ability, listening to sound waves that are creative sound waves. Yes. And I do a lot, you know, and again, not having brain fog, not yeah. feeling tired, not all the, all those things that I had to do to get the physical vessel ready there, then I can bring in more of the spiritual and you know, the mental pieces, but I don't feel like I can do it if I'm tired and depleted and dragging myself around. Right. Exactly. Stress again, get it right with the person in the mirror, get the physical self and then bring in the spiritual and the mental. It, it's huge. It'll make a huge difference. It's, um, I mean, there's no other place to be, but in that kind of divine energy, but uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. here to support this vessel that we're in. Uh, you know, spirits having the human experience and it's here to support that. It is your compass. Your love is your generator. But again, if you're putting crap in your body or you're abusing your body in any form of way, you're not honoring that role that you were given. And you know, everything needs to be optimized. We are 90% water. How we feed that water is how it nurtures our organs. We have oxygen and energy running through our body, the fiber optics running through our body. If any one of them are damaged or blocked, gee, that means that energy is not getting where and it's stifling the energy to the other organs you need it. So if you start breaking down mentally, physically, even spiritually, is that that energy is not flowing. You need to get back into flow. Mm. Right? Back into flow, uh -huh. to back into no. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yes. But I think I'm out of time. But I'm Yes, so my darling. So I want time. people to know, uh, give us the name of all the books again and where sure. people okay. can find them. Sure. Website is best, and I'm DarcyLang.com. So I'm sure it'll be in your show notes, but I'm Darcy with an I, D A R C I L A N G.com, which most people, it's Y or I E, it's just I. And I've got Focus on the 90%, One Simple Tool to Change the Way You View Your Life, which is my first book. I always use that as my base message. Mm -hmm. Then God said, write the second one. So I did. And each book, we'd, I'd love to do this because each one was written so differently. Mm -hmm. But this was my part two deeper dive, Nine Ways to Be Happier. And I wrote this bite-sized, Nine Ways to Be Happier, nine ideas, so 81 ideas. So they're bite-sized ideas on how to be happier, 81 of them. So people could use it for social media. They could use the smaller bites because it's a world of small bites. I've got my Embrace book that you have, Embrace the 90%, yes. my woman's book, How to Slay Fear, Defy Your Labels, and Love Yourself, which is my trauma, a lot of trauma journey, but that's been my book on self-love and self-healing. And then Lead the 90% is my leader, leadership book, Kind Leadership, I called it, because I think kindness is the most important thing in the world. And the world needs some more kind leaders that you suggested would shepherd over their nar narcissism and their ego and just show up at work in a kind place. So this has been a really interesting write. All the leaders I've met in my career and I gathered what made them the greatest great and the greatest were kind. So those and, are the four I have now. And they get the books where? At my, on my website is best. Right. Yeah, so that's the best place to order them. DarcyLang.com slash forward shop hyphen books. Yes, please. Uh, and, and also you are on Instagram uh, under your name, cool. Darcy Lang, Facebook, Darcy Lang Speaker, and you're also in LinkedIn as well. And you'll get to the social media when you get to the social media. And you're also giving a free ebook to the first 10 people who listen to this show 
and answer this question. So what question should we ask people to um, respond to? I would be very interested to know their takeaway from our podcast together. Okay, so the first 10 people that respond with an answer to what they have takeaway, and there they actually reach out to this email. They will, um, with that, reach out to Kevin at DarcyLang.com, Kevin at DarcyLang.com with your answer. And the first 10 people to answer that of what they got taken away and how they're applying it will get a free ebook. So that's a great gift to have. And, uh, and it's a good reason for you to kind of reflect on what you've heard here today, share it, converse with it, and then go and get the books. Because truly, yes, I mean, in this one, this is the one that I have embraced, is you share your life, you share your obstacles, but I love the whole way you then look at everything of, okay, what can we do about it? So it's like, this is our 10% problem, but how do we feed the 90%? And the 90% is where we want to live, right? The 10% is always going to be that companion, but we don't want it to become the 90%. Agreed. Sarah, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you told your son that you would call me and I was instant yes so i'm grateful to have spent this time with you thank you so much thank you very much i've been looking forward to this for a few months now and you really are illumination keep on speaking and don't forget folks she is a guest speaker she does travel you want her to speak for your organization please just reach out to her this is her forte for 30 years and i guarantee you when you observe her on the stage as i said it's not just the words it's the energy and the essence that comes off her that you truly hear the words. They really do reflect with you and they really will inspire you. So please book her as a speaker as well. So thank you so much, Darcy. And to everyone else out there, please feed your 90%. Have a conversation with your 10%, but leave it in the 10%. Don't drag it on any over. Okay, until next time, folks. Bye for now. <laughs>